When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Patriots fans, and welcome once again to Patriots Beat here on the CLNS Radio Network. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Joining me as always is Bobby Kravitsky at Bobby underscore K91, also on Twitter. You can, of course, follow CLNS Radio at CLNS Radio, the Patriots Beat podcast at, at Patriots Beat. For you Facebook fans out there, go to www.facebook.com slash CLNS fans. And for the Patriots Beat podcast, it's www.facebook.com slash Patriots Beat. We are brought to you today by our friends over at DraftKings. We'll be talking a little uh, fantasy in a little bit in our fantasy football moment with DraftKings. We'll talk about my lineup that I discussed last week and what I think we should do this week. I wouldn't listen to me, though, because I didn't win any money on that lineup. But who cares? It's Buffalo Bills. New England Patriots this week, 1-0 and 1-0 at the Ralph. Uh, Rex Ryan already talking. Bills looked like they were, you know, Super Bowl champs last week. Bills fans jumping up and down that they're Super Bowl champs. Patriots also improved to uh, 1-0 with a 28-21 victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Some good uh, and some not so good in the game, but the Patriots still uh, improved uh, on the season to 1-0. Without further ado, I'll bring in my co-host, Bobby Kravitsky. Bobby, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm ready for what is going to be a hostile environment that the Patriots are going to be walking into on Sunday. And Jeff, this really is right down to the fact that this is a Rex Ryan coach team's Super Bowl. It's the same Rex Ryan. It's the same vintage team that Ryan coaches. You hear the players chirping and embodying just the personality, the persona of Rex Ryan. And, you know, we might be, a lot of people, when he jumped from the Jets to the Bills, said, why would he do this? He's going to the exact same situation. What is he expecting to be different? And through week one, his team looked good, no doubt about it. But you just get the sense that this is the same old Rex Ryan team, that they'll be competing for a wild card spot and not really much else. No, you know what? I I like the Bills. I think they have a good team. They have a phenomenal defense. They had a phenomenal defense before Rex Ryan was there. I mean, they were one of the best defenses in the league last year. Ryan brings a little more attitude to the defense. Uh, you know, he brings a little more of that rah-rah, sis-kumba stuff to the defense. Um, and and I, I like Rex Ryan as a coach. I think he's a very good coach. Um, and I think that the Patriots could have a very hard time this week scoring a lot of points. Does that mean I think that the Bills are going to win? Well, we'll get to that when we talk about our uh, our game breakdown and everything like that. But good win uh, for the Buffalo Bills against what I think is 
a pretender and not a contender um, in the Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, I said it last week. Just not built for the end of the season. They're not strong. They're not tough. So enough bitching about the Colts here because it's the Patriots show. But I just had to you know, give a little dig there because, you know, those eight. You know, they're not built for the games. They're not tough. They were run all over last week, the Indianapolis Colts, by the Buffalo Bills. 36 carries, 147 yards. Same problems for the Colts. And what we thought would happen with the Bills and the Colts, the Bills had a very nice game plan on offense, clock management, run the ball, and don't put a you know don't put Taylor Tyrod Taylor uh, in a position to lose the game for you. Now he had great stats to finish things: 14 of 19, 195 yards and a touchdown. And the touchdown was a beautiful throw to Percy Harvin. Um, but I like the I like what the Bills bring. I've always liked Rex Ryan as a coach. And I look at this team, and, and, and yes, they're going to prove some problems against the Patriots, but I also believe the Patriots uh, can prove some problems against the Bills. Yeah, and when you look at that, you know, how can the Patriots exploit what is such a talented defense led by the head coach who, just ask Rex Ryan, he'll tell you that he gives Tom Brady more difficulty than any other coach in the NFL, and the areas that I look for the Patriots to exploit the Bills is nothing new. What's their bread and butter, Jeff? The quick passing attack. Those yep. dink and dunk, get out of Brady's hands quickly, especially against a front four that's this talented, especially against the Rex Ryan defense where you know they're going to love to blitz, especially up the A-gap. So what I look for is Danny Amendola. You know, he may have he may be matched up against Stephon Gilmore, and that difference in size, as Patriots fans saw last season with Brandon Browner, anytime he was matched up against a smaller receiver, it tends to translate to an advantage for the offense. Can Amendola get open quickly? Julian Edelman typically is able to be effective and produce his usual stat line, which he did so again in the opener against Pittsburgh. So they're definitely going to need that from Edelman. I also think that they're going to need Amendola to help carry the load, as well as, of course, big eight, big number 87, Rob Gronkowski, to you know just take the attention off of his off of his teammates, make things a little bit easier for them. Not to mention Scott Chandler, Jeff, going up against his old team. He did have a touchdown last week, and him and Gronk look like they're going to be forming a pretty formidable duo in the red zone this season. Loved what they did last week. Uh together and you know going back a little bit to last week here before we get really diving into the Buffalo Bills talk uh coming up this week at Ralph Wilson Stadium let's talk about it right here because three touchdowns for Rob Gronkowski he was a man among boys he was your player of the game on offense that was your prediction that Gronkowski would be there um you know he was awesome three touchdown catches um, just look awesome. Mine, of course, I went with the sentimental favorite of Tom Brady, and I can't think that Tom Brady wasn't awesome either, as he completed 19 passes in a row and had four touchdowns. All four touchdowns went to tight ends. Scott Chandler with one, uh, Gronkowski with three, and at the in down the red zone, they came out with a four tight end set. I love that they came out with uh, you know Gronk and Chandler, Hooman and and Matt Williams and. They split it out wide. They they mismatched and advantages there. It was some really good things uh, by the Patriots last week on offense. And you said it, you know, Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman moving up this week uh, against the uh, Buffalo Bills. Edelman was on fire. I mean, he was phenomenal, just absolutely phenomenal, picking up where he left off. I mean, 11 catches on the night, that's insane. He was just mid-season form uh, for the for uh, Julian Edelman. Yeah, and how impressive is it that Edelman, I believe it was nine of his catches, went for first downs. So quite the performance from him. Total of 11 catches for 97 yards. He was pivotal, as was obviously Gronk. Jeff, one of my favorite plays that Gronk made, and it's been touched on, it's not a, a, a secret play that you really had to go back and think about to remember from this past game, is the fumble recovery. When Deion Lewis gets stripped close to the end zone, and who's there but Gronk to dive in the middle of the pile, grab that ball, and hold on to it for the Patriots, which ultimately 
Yes, the Pittsburgh's final touchdown came in garbage time, but the Patriots only won this game by seven, so you start to play that what-if game if Gronk doesn't recover that and Pittsburgh gets it. Plus, there might be a bit more of a spotlight shined on Deion Lewis, who was fantastic, but people might be harping on that fumble and be looking towards his ball security. You know, he is replacing or part of a coalition that's going to be replacing a running back in Steven Ridley, who, of course, was known for being put in the doghouse frequently due to his inability to consistently hold on to the football. I also, before I send it back to you, Jeff, just want to throw a shout-out to Michael Lewis, a.k.a. Matt Williams, I guess. But Michael Williams played quite well in the reps and the opportunities that he got in Week 1. So I was impressed with him as a blocker. We talked about him briefly going into opening night. So I thought he played well. And we did talk about, so pat yourself on the back as well, Jeff, as I'll do the same, the trio of having him, Gronk, and Scott Chandler together in the red zone certainly looked effective in the glimpses we got of it on Thursday night. Did I call him Michael Lewis? You called him Matt Williams. Where the hell did I get Matt Williams from? I got a good chuckle out of it, I'll say that. (laughs) Wasn't that like... uh... The closer for the Philadelphia Phillies back in like 1992 who couldn't, you know, touch the plate. They called him Wild Thing. The um, the Nationals manager and a longtime third baseman for the Diamondbacks was Matt Williamson. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? This is why I'm not perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we record this show. I could go back and fix it, but you know what? Why do that? You know, we I can I can be a dumb dumb. Davion okay. Bell, Matt Williams, we do it live. It's Le'Veon Bell, brother. I was doing yours. I know it's Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> I know, but I got it. <laughs> there we go. Listen, it wasn't all perfect for the Patriots. The offense looked good, but they did leave some points out on the on the field there. Um, you know, there weren't many bad passes by Tom Brady at all. Um, one that just comes to mind is an open Danny Amendola down the sideline where he just misses him, which, uh, might've gone for a touchdown. Um, Lewis, you, you mentioned it, the fumble that hurt. Uh, you know, Gronk did pick it up. That was great. Uh, and they scored a touchdown on, on the very, you know, the, the next play, which was excellent. But, um, the running back while Lewis, Dion Lewis looked great. Why? Oh, why? Do they continue to hand the ball to the eternal waste of space known as Brandon Bolden? Uh, there, it didn't take you long to get to Brandon Ugh. Bolden. You weren't, you weren't I'm impressed so happy with five back. carries for one yard? Yeah, especially when you know four of those ca- yards came on, uh, on, on one carry. So the rest of the time he was negative yards. The guy can't run the football. Yeah, He's a waste of space. He was the only big back they had for Thursday night without Laguerre Blount in the fold, and they tried him down at the goal line a few times. and Stuff, stuff, stuff. Yeah, they was not able to punch it in. Jeff, one thing I took away from the running backs was the lack of play for James White. That was, that was something was. that certainly caught the eye. Was, and I think they went with a hot hand in Lewis because Lewis uh, really did well. They came out the first... Uh, First series, and, and we talked about it last week on the Patriots Beat Podcast, um, you know, that Lewis and uh, and we thought White uh, would get more, you know, touches with the Patriots spreading out the Steelers, which they did very well uh, last week. But Lewis really had the hot hand. He, he reminded me, as we said last week, of a, you know, a, a Danny Woodhead was able to make those plays and, and, and nothing better than on the first drive, the Patriots uh, get backed up to a first and I believe it was 12 after a holding penalty by Nate Soldier. And Brady hits a little hook route to Deion Lewis, and Lewis gets a first down. And, you know, the play that he fumbled on, it was vintage Brady, and it reminded me of of a throw to uh, Kevin Falk or, or Danny Woodhead or even Shane Vereen where, you know, he's he, he does a nice little drag route across the middle. He's got a little separation on that linebacker. And, and, and the ball is put, you know, within an inch of where it has to be, and Lewis is sprinting for the end zone before he fumbles. You know, people fumble. It happens in the NFL. I'm going to give him a pass. But I was a little concerned that James White didn't touch the ball 
I expected White to, you know, get some carries in this game, and he didn't. Yeah, James White did not get much of an opportunity. I certainly think there's credence to what you're throwing out there that they rode the hot hand in Deion Lewis. And Deion Lewis, to me, got check marks in all three phases of the offense and of his role, whether it was pass protection, whether it was as a running back, or, of course, coming out of the backfield where he had four catches for 51 yards. Deion Lewis had a very good game. is off to a strong start here in New England. This is a guy who was almost out of football, and now he's your starting running back. He was out of football last year. Yes, he year. was That's out crazy. of football, and now he's your starting running back next to LeGarrette Blount. So quite the story there, but James White, he doesn't want to head to where Deion Lewis is coming from, and that's the unemployment line. It's only year two, and it's only been one game, but it's not a good sign that the coaching staff didn't give him much of a look on Thursday night. Well, it took until year three for Shane Vereen to, to really become Shane Vereen, so I still have high hopes for James White. I wish they would hand the ball uh, to him more. I think he could scout and get some you know, get some good rushing yards. But Deion Lewis looked well. LeGarrette Blount uh, comes back off the uh, off the suspended list and will be playing this week in Buffalo. So uh, you have that. Another thing uh, that I thought was a, a very good and not so good was the offensive line. Really, really impressed with the way that the, the Patriots played, especially the rookies in Dave Andrews and uh, Trey Jackson. They did not let up much pressure at all up the A-gap. Josh Klein got the start at left guard, looked pretty well. A little bit of a downer for Nate Scholes. He had a couple penalties, but still he was able to do what needed to be done. So the offensive line, which I think against the Buffalo Bills, is going to be you know, a very, very tough matchup. We know how good the Bills can be on defense, so this offensive line is going to have to keep Brady upright uh, if they want to win on Sunday in Buffalo. They're going to be a key to monitor – not just this week, but throughout. Until they get Brian Stork back, having Ryan Wendell back in the fold will certainly help. He doesn't do much to strengthen this offensive line, literally from a muscle perspective, but he certainly... He's smart. Yes, having someone with sound technique, who's a veteran, who helps stabilize the interior of the offensive line last season, getting him back is undisputedly a positive for this Patriots offensive line, and therefore this entire Patriots offense. That said, the rookies last week, even Shaq Mason, although to a lesser degree, really impressed me. David Andrews, the knock on him was for as much potential as there is down the line with the undrafted center from Georgia. He's just not strong enough. He's just not ready to be thrown into the fire yet. Well, he had no choice Thursday night, and he excelled. It's not the most difficult front to go up against, but still... He handled it beautifully. Trey Jackson, who's not as athletic as most of the guys the Patriots have on the offensive line, but is a mauler, I thought impressed and played well. And Shaq Mason lived up to his reputation of being very effective in the run game, had some really nice blocks when he was pulling, but then in the passing game you saw a couple mistakes out of him. That's to be expected at this point in his development. And like I said, having Wendell back is really going to help because Sunday is a much much larger test for this Patriots front five. You're going against a much better defense, not only, you know, getting after the passer, stopping the run, but also a more talented secondary uh, for the Buffalo Bills. So it'll, it'll put some more pressure on Tom Brady. And listen, Rex Ryan isn't going to forget where Rob Gronkowski is. Okay. That's not going to happen in this game. Gronkowski is not going to, you know, run wide open down the middle of the field for a 52-yard catch. That's just not going to happen. Rex Ryan is is too smart of a coach for that to happen. So, how will the Patriots attack on offense? Well, they're going to attack. We talked about it. They're going to attack with that quick throw. They're going to do a little change of pace. They're going to get Tom Brady some extra time. Now, one of the things that I noticed in watching the Bills versus uh, Indianapolis game, not only you know live on TV, but then afterwards, uh, thanks to NFL Game Pass, um, was that the Indianapolis Colts they they got it all wrong. They want to you know even ever since they drafted uh, Peyton Manning and, and then Andrew Luck afterwards, it's it's been you know let's put up the 
put up the points show. And they were having luck dropping back, and they were having 15, 20-yard pass plays. Listen, that's not that, those pass plays are going to be thrown out the book. They're not even going to be in the playbook for the Patriots this week. It's going to be short, quick-time pass, passes that are going to supplement a running game that's going to have LeGarrette Blount and Deion Lewis getting after an aggressive front. You might see a lot of screens in this game. Uh, you know, not only wide receivers screens or smoke screens, but you're going to see some, uh, you know, halfback screens. You might see a tight end screen. You're going to see some double screens going back and forth. You're going to see things that are going to slow down that rush, give Tom Brady a couple extra tenths of a second to get the ball out. You're going to see the mismatch that is Scott Chandler and uh, Rob Gronkowski against the linebackers of the Bills. Now, again, Gronkowski isn't going to be running down the middle of the field wide open, but he's going to have his chances, and then that's going to allow you to get the underneath stuff happening with Amendola and Edelman. Yeah, and look, you talked about the Colts' performance on Sunday. Quite frankly, they're weak in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Their offensive line has major question marks surrounding it, as does their defensive line. We talked about it off-air. I'll never understand why Malcolm Brown is not a member of the Indianapolis Colts, why they passed on him on, in the, on the draft. You know, I'm grateful that they did. I'm glad he's in New England trying to fill Vince Wilfork's shoes, but the reality of the matter is that he should be in Indianapolis. So a lucky break for the Patriots and a questionable decision from Ryan Grigson and company in Indianapolis. That said, the Bills, for as many flaws as the Colts have when it comes to the trenches and when it comes to the power aspects of football, which you need to win, especially we played the soundbite of you from just a week ago, which you need those to win late in the season and in the playoffs. As true as all those knocks on the Colts are, there's also the reality that Buffalo played really well. They played a sound football game in all three phases. Tyrod Taylor was very effective against that Colts defense and they really, they impressed me, quite frankly. You know, it's going to be interesting to see because you mentioned that this is the Bills Super Bowl. This is a huge game. You can hear them talking how excited they are, how fired up Rex Ryan is to get another chance at Tom Brady. This, in some ways, probably feels like a fresh start to him because it's a different team. It's a new era for Rex Ryan, if you will. And we talked about the Patriots. What's the strength of this offense? What are they going to look to do, that quick passing attack? Rex Ryan knows that better than anyone. This is going to be a chess match because Ryan knows what the Patriots are looking to do. Bill Belichick knows what Rex Ryan's looking to do. And so it's just going to come down to execution, really. I don't think anyone's going to throw something that the other side's not expecting. It's just going to come down to who executes better and who takes care of the football. No, I can't agree with you 100%. You know, it's going to be who does have the turnover battle. Whoever wins this turnover battle is winning this game. You know, whoever basically steps up and makes plays is going to win this game. So, so switching sides of the ball here, Bobby, the Patriots' defense, D'Angelo Williams looked like he was 24 years old again, uh, tearing up the Patriots. His first carry goes for 18 yards uh, in a Pittsburgh Steelers um, uniform. I, I mean, they had some good pressure up the middle, but he was able to bounce it outside, and Rob Ninkovich wasn't able to hold his uh, containment. He wasn't able to set the edge. And that happened a couple times. I wonder for you, because we talked about it last week, that one of the biggest things that the Patriots needed to do was take away the, uh, the, the Steelers' number one option, which was uh, Antonio Brown. Now, while Brown ended up with nine catches, I believe, for 135 yards and a TD, uh, one of uh, three of those catches and fifty something yards came on that final mean nothing drive, I, I, you know. So I'll give him a pretty much a pass there. So uh, Butler holds him to six catches for eighty something yards before that drive. I'm thinking it's kind of like the same game plan they had against the uh, Denver Broncos back in 2013, the game that the Patriots won in overtime, uh, where I believe it was No. Sean Moreno ran for over 200 yards. You know, they, they said, all right, you know what, you can run the ball on us, but we're not going to let Big Ben and this offense beat us. And, and, and they were that bend but don't break. The defensive line didn't get after the quarterback the way that I thought they would. But maybe that is because of, of the type of offense that 
the Steelers have. And the fact that Ben is hard to bring down, they threw, uh, you know, seven guys in the coverage, eight guys in the coverage. They weren't always going after, um, you, you know, Big Ben, and they weren't always going after uh, the running game. They were they were basically biding their time and hoping that Pittsburgh made some mistakes, which they ultimately did. There was an interception by Deron Harmon, two missed field goals uh, by Josh Scobie, uh, you know, a, a touchdown pass taken off the board to Darius Hayward Bay because his foot's out of bounds. So the Patriots, you know, waited out the storm and made Pittsburgh make mistakes. Yeah, I think you put that quite eloquently just now that what I put the most stock in from the Patriots' performance defensively on opening night was the pass rush not being able to get home consistently. Yes, they got three sacks, but no, they were not all that disruptive. And just like you alluded to, part of that is you tip your hat to the opponent, and it's a credit to the Steelers' offense, who even without Bell and Pouncey and Martavis Bryant, it's still a really good offense that has the ability to be effective. But when you talk about D'Angelo Williams' performance, and there's no doubt that he played well, if the Patriots wanted to, they could have made a more concerted effort to stop the run, and they didn't because they knew that's not how Pittsburgh's going to beat us. And just like they did with Peyton Manning, where they let Sean Marino gash them consistently, it wasn't how they were going to lose that game. It wasn't how they were going to lose opening night this time around. And so it was all just, a part of strategy. Now, it certainly was surprising to see Rob Ninkovich struggle to hold the edge at times, and you certainly would have liked to have seen the pass rush be a bit more disruptive than it turned out to be. But it's only week one, and I also think that there were a lot of positives from the defense, especially all eyes are on Malcolm Butler as he tries to replace Darrell Revis at left cornerback and be that shutdown corner, which He's no doubt not going to play to the same standard as Darrell Revis, who for my money is the best corner in the game. But he did play very well against Antonio Brown. Like you said, three catches for over 75 yards and a touchdown came in garbage time there towards the end when the game seemed to have already been clinched. I thought he held his own against Malcolm Bu- against Antonio Brown rather in what was obviously a very difficult test. We're talking about a top five maybe even top three wide receiver in the NFL right now, Malcolm Butler, I thought lived up to the challenge. I think Antonio Brown right now is the best route runner. The best route runner in football and probably one of the best receivers. I mean, one of the passes that just was unbelievable, Butler had perfect coverage and Brown was able to catch it off his helmet. I mean, and you brought up Darrell Revis. There are some times where I don't think Darrell Revis could have even kept up with Antonio Brown because I think Brown is that good of a receiver. We're talking about a guy who in 2013 had 110 catches and last year follows it up with 129. This is a guy who gets open, 13 touchdowns last year. Uh, you know what? I, I don't care what the final numbers said. Uh, you know, nine catches for I think it was 135 yards and, and a touchdown I'm going to give it to Malcolm Butler, and I'm not trying to be a homer right now. I think he held his own. And I think this week coming up against the the Pittsburgh Steelers, the game plan is going to be different because you're not going to worry about uh, Terod Ta- uh, Taylor beating you, except for maybe with his legs. They're going to say, all right, let's put the ball in his hands. You're going to see a lot more base defense this week against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, out of the New England Patriots. Then you saw last weekend, Gerard Mayo only played 11 snaps last week. That's that's crazy that he only played 11 snaps. That's because they had Dante Hightower and Jamie uh, Collins out there defending the pass. This week, your number one priority is to stop uh, Shady McCoy and that offense. And before we get into talking about uh, the Buffalo Bills, I wouldn't pick up Shady McCoy uh, in fantasy this week. Football season's only just begun, but it already feels like the playoffs at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where millionaires are being crowned all season long. One-week fantasy at DraftKings means no season-long commitment. It's fantasy football on demand. Play where you want, when you want, with the players that you want. And with a million bucks up for grabs every week, every game is the big game, and every play matters. So first and ten in the first quarter feels like fourth and goal with one second left. And a long touchdown run could mean more than just a victory for your favorite team. It could mean you've just turned your love of the football 
into a million dollar payday. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use the promo code New England to play for free for one shot at $1 million in this week's Millionaire Maker event. Enter New England for free entry now only at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. And last week I entered the uh, Fantasy Football Millionaire Maker and, well, I came up with a goose egg, ladies and gentlemen. Tough week for the fat guy here. Uh, my number one pick, who I wanted all along, Tom Brady, did great, getting me 27.62 points. Really struggled, though, when it came to Melvin Gordon, only getting me 8.7. You need a better uh, job than that. Uh, Eddie Lacy, my other running back, 17.9 points. That was good, but uh, Jonathan Stewart only ending up with 12.1. Vincent Jackson and Aaron Dobson, big losers for me. 1.9 for Dobson. I thought he would get surely a lot more than that, um, especially with what he did against the Steelers back in 2013. But hey, I was wrong. Check me out. You want to talk fantasy? Check out at Boston Fat Guy. You can hit me up there on Twitter. This week's DraftKings lineup, I'm feeling pretty good about this, but hey, I was feeling pretty good about last week's as well. So this week's DraftKings lineup here on CLNS Radio got me pretty excited with what I got going on here. Uh, we'll go off right now. QB, Drew Brees, good matchup here against Tampa Bay. We saw what they did last week. Uh, Tampa Bay trying to keep in touch with Marcus Mariota. And Mariota was just unbelievable. Drew Brees cost me $7,800. Kicking it back with Jeremy Hill and Carlos Hyde as my running backs. Hyde going up against Pittsburgh. He was dominant last week, scoring 35.2 points. Uh, $5,100 this week for him and Jeremy uh, Jeremy Hill. 7400 bucks going up against San Diego. Uh, 18.3 last week. Got to keep myself with a Patriot here. And Julian Edelman, I'm telling you right now, 6700 bucks, well worth it in my eyes because of the fact that I think the Buffalo Bills are going to really focus on Rob Gronkowski, leaving Edelman underneath. That'll be great right there. Uh, Jordan Matthews, the wide receiver from the Philadelphia Eagles, cost me $7,100. Uh, scored 23.2 points last week. I'm feeling good there. Uh, Williams, wide receiver out of uh, Dallas, picked him up for 4200 bucks. Listen, with Des Bryant being out, he could become that go-to guy uh, for Tony Romo. At tight end this week, Tyler Eifert had a monster game for Cincinnati last week. Uh, 34.5 points, cost me 4200 bucks. Listen, guys, usually they don't come back and go back-to-back, back, but I feel good about this. My flex play is running back Abdul Abdullah from uh, uh, Detroit against Minnesota. He played for Nebraska's the Cohen Huskers. Scored 19 points last week, 4,500 bucks. And I'm taking the Titans' defense. Well, why am I doing that? Well, because they're going up against the lowly, lowly Cleveland Browns. Feeling good about that. Don't forget to go to DraftKings.com and enter the promo code New England for your free shot at the Millionaire Maker this week. And of course, CLNS Radio for all your Patriots needs. We'll get back to Patriots Beat Podcast right now. So take that line up to the bank, and again, do not, do not, not start Art Art Lashawn Sean McCoy, McCoy this week. That's going to be how the Patriots uh, win this game is by stopping the best thing, and that'll be Lashawn McCoy. So let's really get into it, Bobby, here, because the Buffalo Bills, of course, are coming off a 27-14 to victory over the Indianapolis Colts. At times, they looked uh, dominating on the Indianapolis Colts. At times, their defense looked very good. Uh, but I said this to a buddy of mine who uh, lives up in Buffalo. What's up, Coop? How you doing, brother? Um, you know, big uh, Bills fan, uh, season ticket holder. Um, you know, and they, of course, they were uh, chanting. So for all the Buffalo Bills fans up there at the end of, uh, you know, end of the game, chanting, we want Tom Brady. Well, he's coming. Brady is coming, uh, and, and this team's going to come, and they're going to be ready to play. This isn't Andrew Luck, okay? This isn't, you know, Mr. Happy Feet Andrew Luck. This isn't, you know, a pussy-ass team like the Indianapolis Colts. This is a team with four rings on its fingers. Now, granted, that ring was won uh, last year and, and 10 years and 13 years before that, but these are four 
gosh darn rings here and, and a team that knows how to play in in Buffalo and has won in Buffalo. And not only that, has beat the uh, Rex Ryan. And I believe Ryan is one of his last seven uh, against the uh, the Patriots and trying to be victorious. So this is Bill Belichick and Tom Brady versus Rex Ryan. Well, I think it's going to be close. You know, I, I'm going to tell you right now, the Patriots are going to take away their number one weapon. And their number one weapon is going to be that run game. So, Bobby, I mean, we look at it. Patriots last week were pretty much, you know, uh, befuddled against the run. We talked about that being a uh, a, a design uh, plan of attack. So you go into it this this week, and I think you're going to see more base defenses. And, and, and you're going to look at it. You're going to see Gerard Mayo a lot more, and he's going to be that tackling machine that he always has been. And I think you're going to see them dial up a little more uh, on passing downs and get after a guy like Tyron Taylor, but stay in that you know, level, not letting him get past the same plan as in the Super Bowl where they got some pressure on Russell Wilson, but never allowed him really to get going on, on with with his wheels like Tyrod Taylor can do. And can I tell you, we saw last year, especially in the first month of the season where they went up against quarterbacks such as Derek Carr of Oakland, Bill Belichick, something changes when he goes up against these mobile quarterbacks and I know that there's plenty of fans who are screaming right now that the Super Bowl wasn't that long ago and they look pretty good containing Russell Wilson keeping him in the pocket but the first month of the season where Belichick is trying to figure out what he has and he also doesn't want to put too much out there on film he goes up against a mobile quarterback and he really just wants to make sure that that quarterback whether it's Tyrod Taylor whether it's you know, RG3, his rookie year, when he could kill you with his legs and make back-breaking plays. He wants to absolutely eliminate those. So I don't know how many blitzes you're going to see from the Patriots on Sunday. I do expect to see some of those sets with three defensive end where Sheard is in with Ninkovich and Chandler Jones. Maybe they run some NASCAR packages like they did on Thursday night. But again, they're going to be so focused on keeping Tyrod Taylor in the pocket. This is a quarterback who you want to have to try and beat you with his arm, which is a huge question mark. He's never, this is his first crack at being a starting quarterback, and Indianapolis sure as hell didn't make him do that. So what I expect to see more of is Dante Hightower spying Tyrod Taylor, making sure that the pass rush is disciplined, they stay in their lanes, you know, I'm talking to you, Chandler Jones. Don't over-pursue. You've got to have good gap discipline. And let's just see what Tyrod Taylor can do in the pocket, with his arm, with his ability to diagnose defenses. Because that's where Bill Belichick is going to spin the dial and look to confuse a largely inexperienced, unproven quarterback. Is How well can you read coverages, not just at the line of scrimmage, but as the play is unfolding, and we're mixing things up on you. I agree with you there. And, you know, while the Patriots dodged a bullet as um, Dominic Easley t- was taken off the field earlier in, in the first half against the Steelers, um, it looks like it's only going to be a hit point and you might miss a game or two. Uh, this is a game where you're not going to need Easley as much as you do in a game against, say, Indianapolis or the uh, uh, Dallas Cowboys coming up because Easily is going to get that, um, you know, that a gap pressure. Where I think this game is going to be a lot of Malcolm Brown, it's going to be a lot of Silva Salinga and Allen Branch, you know, being able to stop the middle run game there and have your three linebackers get off things. And then you do need Nikovich and Chandler Jones to stay in their lanes to set the edge. Jabal Sheard, I know, is going to set the edge. He was very impressive on uh, on Thursday night to me. And I think he's going to be one of the keys in stopping this Bills running game. The other thing you've got to worry about, and we've talked about LaShawn McCoy, uh, the other thing you've got to worry about is Percy Harvin on this team. Uh, you know, Percy Harvin had a not a great uh, preseason. Uh, he's kind of been the missing uh, man among things since, uh, uh, since the Super Bowl against uh, the Denver Broncos, where he, he was really good. I mean, he was hurt almost the entire year. Um, you know, pretty much, you know, last year uh, was traded to the Jets and really was no man's land by the in the Jets. Um, but five catches for 79 yards. 
Um, who's going to cover him? That's that's the one thing. Last year, this would have been the perfect guy for Kyle Arrington to to cover. I, I don't trust Bradley Fletcher on him. Is this a guy that we see, uh, you know, maybe Devin McCourty getting down on when you don't have to really worry about the Bills receivers as much? What do you think, Bob? No, I look for Terrell Brown to be the one primarily cover, covering Percy Harvin. Malcolm Butler primarily going to be the guy on Sammy Watkins. Terrell Brown primarily going to be the corner, in my estimation, who's covering Percy Harvin. And you talk about Percy Harvin's ability to be so dangerous, to hurt defenses when the ball's in his hands. One area you need to watch for that in his brief tenure in Seattle was very effective was bringing Percy Harvin around on jet sweeps. And the Patriots used, I believe it was one, maybe it was more, with Julian Edelman against Pittsburgh. Very First drive. Yes, and it was very effective. And the Bills may look to do the same thing with this combination of Taylor McCoy and Percy Harvin. And that could give the Patriots defense some problems. That could give any defense some problems. So we'll see if Buffalo looks to that, how... I'm sure they're going to look to creative in many different ways to get the ball in Percy Harvin's hands. I think Terrell Brown is going to be the one primarily responsible for covering him. But, you know, if he's looking for screen passes and sweeps and whatnot, then it's got to be a team effort. You've got to come at Percy Harvin in waves because you never know when he's going to cut back. And you've just got to really eliminate those angles, those alleys for Percy Harvin to escape in because that's when he is most dangerous. Oh, yeah, and that's one of the things. They did run one jet sweep uh, this week. It went for a nine-yard gain uh, against the um, against the uh, Indianapolis Colts. So that's one of the things we have to, uh, to watch out for. Now, if you go back for the new offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills and Greg Roman, uh, you know, he was the offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, who uh, in Tyrod, uh, in, in excuse me, in um, Kaepernick have the same type of quarterback as uh, Tyrod Taylor. And if you go back to that 2013 or 2012 season, I can't remember uh, which season it was. I think it was the 2012, if I remember correctly, uh, Kaepernick's um, year there. The Patriots uh, lost in a game that they dropped down 28 to nothing. There was a lot of um, you know, motion by the uh, by a wide receiver going into the backfield, which caused some concern in the first half for the New England Patriots. I have to believe if I'm Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia, I'm going back to that game film from 2012, and, and I'm looking at ways to stop it because that could be a way that they try to, um, you know, attack, especially with Percy Harvin in getting after uh, um, this New England Patriots defense and, and and trying to challenge them from not just stacking, you know, seven, eight in the box by moving a wide receiver into uh, into that jet sweep or fake jet sweep like they did with the San Francisco 49ers. That's a great point, Jeff. And I'm sure the Patriots are watching that game from 2012. Again, correct on the year. So two for two there, Mr. Kane. I'm sure they're going back and looking at how Greg Roman attacks the Patriots defense. Certainly it was a different defense. But nonetheless, if you saw it, do your job. And if you haven't, I don't know what's taking you so long. Get on that. <laughs> if you saw it, do your job. You see how thorough the Patriots are. They review everything. They watch film that isn't even from the same season. And this year it's only been week two, so that's a little bit of a softer point. But I'm sure that going into this game, they are well prepared for Greg Roman and what he's going to do. And that undoubtedly includes when they played San Francisco in 2012 and the looks that he threw the Patriots' defense's way. I couldn't agree with you more. It'll be very interesting to see exactly what the Patriots do on offense and in defense. Now, let's put on our offensive coordinator uh, hats here. We believe that the Patriots are going to try a quick strike uh, passing game like they did last season. Uh, you know, against the Detroit Lions, where the Detroit Lions had two very good uh, defensive tackles, and Nick Farley, and, and of course, um, uh, and Dominic Sue getting after the ball. Brady got that ball out uh, extremely quick. Uh, it was games where we saw uh, a great game by um, Tim Wright and a great game by Julian Edelman. I think it's going to be a quick strike offense, and I'm gonna, I think you're going to see a lot of Deion Lewis. Um, in this game plan. I really think you are. Uh, you're going to see him 
you know, defending the run. You're also going to see uh, the Patriots bulk up and try to run against the uh, Buffalo Bills because they're going to need to have some kind of balance here. Now, do I think they're going to go in and do that four tight end set again? Maybe down on the goal line, but I think they spread them out and they try to, uh, you know, confuse them in different ways. But with a guy like Scott Chandler and a guy like Rob Gronkowski, they can go in in an ace formation uh, with Deion Lewis in the backfield or, or even LeGarrette Blount in the backfield, and all of a sudden you're going wide, uh, and, and you're saying, all right, Rex Ryan, try to defend Gronk and and, and Scott Chandler uh, along with Danny Amendola and uh, Julian Edelman and Deion Lewis being able to catch the ball at any step of the way. And then I think really is going to help the Patriots, uh, you know, decide whether they're going to, you know, defend the blitz or if they can just, you know, have Deion Lewis, you know, drop out basically on a halfback delay, make sure no one's coming, drop out, you know, whether it be on a on a on a angle route or, you know, a little uh, jet sweep uh, pass, you know, you're going to see that sort of stuff. Yeah, this might be a frustrating season debut for LeGarrette Blount. But the other running backs they have, and it'll be interesting to see how the carries, how the reps are divided, but the other running backs they have are very effective coming out of the backfield, in essence, serve as another wide receiver, especially Dion Lewis, who got the lion's share of the reps in the opener against Pittsburgh, figures to do the same against Buffalo. So that right there gives them a lot of different ways that they can scheme and they can game plan in order to create mismatches against this Buffalo defense. You look at how Brady performed in the one game he played against Buffalo last year. He carved them up, especially in the second half, 361 yards, four TDs overall for the game and a quarterback rating of 91.2. Now, yes, Rex Ryan is there. That is a new dynamic into this rivalry into the Bills' defense, figures to be even more aggressive, more blitzes. But that also tends to play to the favor of Tom Brady and the Patriots' offense because Brady is most effective when you send more pressure. It's usually how he's able to create openings for his receivers. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens because Rex Ryan knows he's got to take away those quick hitters, that quick passing offense of the Patriots. And the Patriots know... They've got to be very effective in giving Tom Brady as clean a pocket as possible, even if it's only for three seconds or less. They've got to just do their job, as Bill Belichick and the Patriots have now trademarked. They've got to just do their job and hold strong. And then the receivers, of course, are going to have to find those soft spots in the zone to get open in what's only going to be a matter of seconds because – I think one thing that would be surprising is if this offensive line plays as well against Pittsburgh, plays as well against Buffalo, excuse me, as they did against Pittsburgh. It'll be interesting there. And I look at probably the best game plan I ever saw Rex Ryan devise was the 2010 um, AFC Divisional Playoff game where the Jets ended up beating the Patriots, I believe it was 28-21. to There were some times where they were only rushing one or two guys at Tom Brady and were dropping, um, you know, nine and ten men in coverage. And, and and basically they would wait for, and if memory serves me correctly, and it's not going to, I believe it was Ellis got after uh, Brady a couple times and got some sacks. You have a guy like Mario Williams who can get after Tom Brady. You know, that's one of the things there. They could send anyone. So, I think the Bills' defense is going to try to clog those rush lanes and not send as much pressure. They will still dial up the blitz, don't get me wrong, but I think you're going to see uh, Rex Ryan try to clog up those pass lanes with with more players dropping back because you were right, Bobby. Brady thrives when you blitz him. Yeah, and so I just with Rex Ryan, it's a case of a leopard changing its spots. You know, he just... That's what he. That's what Rex Ryan does. That's what he's known for: dialing up the blitzes, bringing heat. Is he really going to trust the coverage abilities of Preston Brown and Nigel Bradham? I'm just. I'm not sure how confident he is in what he has in terms of coverage linebackers. And so, 
that's where the Patriots have to decide. And it's one of those things working in the favor of New England's offense is, okay, do we want to try and get Buffalo's defense in sub? And I know there's a lot of people who are going to hear this and scream, yes, yes, of course we do. But keep in mind, you can get two tight ends in there with Gronk and Scott Chandler, and then you can force a mismatch with not only one or both of them, but in bringing Deion Lewis out of the backfield. So the Patriots certainly have options in this game and ways that they can create openings for their receivers. It's going to be interesting to see how much of a balance there is between two tight ends, three wide receivers. Like you said, how involved is Deion Lewis in the passing game? A lot of different wrinkles, a lot of different areas to watch for in this matchup. I think you can go no further than the Super Bowl last year and how they attacked the Seattle Seahawks. Very similar defense uh, in that they were able to get you know some great stuff with Michael Bennett up the middle. Um, and I think you're going to see the same thing there. Switching sides of the ball. Now, last week you talked about Sammy Watkins, uh, you know, the former uh, first-round draft pick who the Bills traded up for, doesn't even catch a ball. Now, um, does Malcolm Butler shut him down, or, or, or is, he, is Butler on someone like Robert Woods? I can't predict that Malcolm Butler is going to shut Sammy Watkins down. If it happens, that's great and a really good sign for the Patriots moving forward. But you, you, as you heard Bill Belichick glow about Malcolm Butler's performance and come to the aid of his left cornerback after the game against Pittsburgh, they've got a lot of confidence in this young cornerback. And so I do expect him to once again, he, he got Antonio Brown, so I see no reason why he doesn't draw the assignment of Sammy Watkins this week. Couldn't agree with you more. Running short on time here, so... It's that time again when we get into deciding uh, who is going to win this game and final score and, of course, offensive and defensive players of the game. Of course, you can join the Patriots postgame show directly after the Bills and uh, Patriots play in Ralph Wilson Stadium this Sunday in Buffalo uh, by going to www.blogtalkradio.com slash Patriots postgame. Uh, good friend Patrick Shankar will be leading uh, the charge this week uh, in talking about the Patriots and Buffalo Bills. This one's going to be close, Bobby, and, and I, I can't see it any closer than this is going to be. I have the Patriots winning this one 24-21, and I want you guys to look at this. That magic number is over 22 or 23 points. The Patriots have an 84% win uh, percentage when they score over 23 points in the Bill Belichick era. They get there, they win this one because I don't think the Bills can score that many points against the Patriots. I think the Patriots will look to shut down this run game, and I think the Patriots win this one. It's going to be close, 24-21. to 21. Uh, This There's no blowout here, and while the Patriots have done a good job, uh, you know, Rex Ryan is 4-9 against the Patriots in his career, um, so he doesn't have a winning record, but every one of those games were very close. So Patriots 24 to 21. What are your thoughts, Bobby? I like that. I'm not too far away from your line of thinking. I do expect this to be just like seemingly every other time that Rex Ryan plays the Patriots, that it's going to be a very closely contested game that comes down to a difference of one score. I believe the Patriots are going to go into Buffalo and win this game in what is sure to be an incredibly hostile environment. It's a really good test for some of this team's young talent. Ultimately, though, I do expect the Patriots to have the mental toughness required to win a game like this. I'm going with a final score of 24-17 to 17 Patriots. There you go, 24-17. to 17. Offensive, defensive player of the game time. Uh, for the offense, my player of the game is number 11, JE11, Julian Edelman. I think he's going to have another very good game. Do I think it's going to be 11 receptions? No, but I think he's going to be able to clean up uh, underneath on those underneath routes. He's going to do what uh, what he's been doing for the last three years, you know, just absolutely dominating things. 
probably one of the best pound-for-pound wide receivers in the game. We talked about Antonio Brown being one of the best route runners and best wide receivers in the game. Well, Julian Edelman is not far behind there, and he can really do some things. I really think Edelman is your guy um, to be able to lead this offense and at least uh, get them that 24 points that we both think about. On the defensive side of the ball, Bobby, I talked about him a little earlier in the podcast. It's Jabal Sheard. They're going to need him to help set that edge. They're going to need him in that run game. Uh, and any time that they pass the ball, they're going to need to get after him. Jabal Sheard is going to have himself a very memorable game for the New England Patriots, and hopefully in a good way. Jeff, once again, especially when it comes to offensive MVPs, similar line of thinking, similar train of thought. You've got Julian Edelman, and while no one can disagree with how vital he is to the Patriots' offense, Rex Ryan is also well aware of that. I think he's going to do everything he can with the personnel he has to try and say to Tom Brady and to the Patriots' offense, let's see how you do if we take away Gronkowski and Edelman to the best of our abilities. Buffalo's probably not overly concerned with the Patriots' running game, even with LeGarrette Blount coming back. So... I look to who else is going to step up, who's going to be that third key contributor. And to me, it has to be Danny Amendola. Scott Chandler in the red zone is going to be a big factor in every game. But with how much of an emphasis there's going to be on getting the ball out of Brady's hand quickly, I look to Danny Amendola as a player who's going to need to step up for the Patriots to win this game. He's got to find ways to get open quickly and creatively And if he can do that and prove to be a reliable and effective target throughout this game, it's a very good sign for the Patriots' chances of winning this football game. The Pygmies, you pick Amendola, I pick Julian Edelman. One of them is going to be the player of the game. I'm going to pick Edelman, just a a deeper uh, and and longer, um, you know, body of work. Although Amendola had a great uh, game in 2013 with 10 receptions, 110 yards, Uh, in his first game in a Patriots uniform. I can see it. What do you think on the defensive side of the ball? Defensive side of the ball, I like your train of thought with Jabal Sheard. I'm going with Dante Hightower. He's, as he typically is, going to have a lot on his plate facing a mobile quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. Hightower is going to be the man primarily responsible for spying the Bills quarterback. He's also going to have to, you know, he's a primary, primary factor in stopping Buffalo's running attack of not just LaShawn McCoy, but all of a sudden Carlos Williams. I didn't know who he was until week one. He had a monster game for Buffalo, led the way on the ground with six carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. So it's not just LaShawn McCoy back there. It's also Booby Dixon. Hightower is going to be huge for stopping the run, huge for containing Tyrod Taylor. There's going to be a lot on his plate, as always, making sure everyone's in the right spot is a part of his responsibilities. So I go with Hightower as my defensive MVP this week. Love it. And, you know, how far Dante Hightower has come in the last two years. He went from some people thinking he was a draft bust to one of, we all thinking that he's, you know, a vital, viable part of this defense and a vital part of this defense in Dante Hightower. Uh, I love it. Absolutely love it. And, you know, you talked about uh, the running back there from uh, the Buffalo Bills, the rookie, 6'1", 225 pounds. Does it surprise you that a big back was able to absolutely tear apart the Indianapolis Colts? Not in the least. We saw Jonas Gray do it. We saw LeGarrette Blount do it. Carlos Williams did it on Sunday. And Chris Ivory might do it to the Colts in week two now. So that's just a very soft run defense. And again, we're back to the point how is Malcolm Brown not an Indianapolis Colts? I, I will never <laughs> thank, understand Thank that. you, Grigson. Thank you very much. And you know what? You, you brought up Jonas Gray, uh, released earlier this week from the uh, Miami Dolphins uh, active roster. Um, one-hit wonder, baby. Just a one-hit wonder. Yeah, Sam and I, that's Sam Pericolo, for those who are fairly new to the program, he's one of our very talented Patriots beat writers. Sam and I have chosen to die on this hill defending Jonas Gray. I don't know what's <laughs> You're defending going on. that wall. Yes, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the story is, but he is a talented running back. He's not just a one-hit wonder, but it may pan out that way because he couldn't stick in Miami either. 
I don't know what the future holds for Jonas Gray, but I definitely see the talent there between the strength and he's got some quickness. He's much more athletic and much quicker than LeGarrette Blount is for someone who's a similar type, similar build. So, Jonas, I'm we're rooting my, for you. I'm hooking my trailer up to the Blount man. Blount force trauma. I'm hooking it up to the, for the rest of the season. Well, that's been another Patriots beat. For Bobby Kavitsky, I'm Jeff Kane. Join Patrick Shankauer for the Patriots postgame show immediately following the Patriots and Bills game this Sunday by going to www.blogtalkradio.com slash Patriots postgame. Uh, and, of course, thank you to DraftKings and everyone else who sponsors us and goes from there. This has been another Patriots beat on the CLNS Radio Network. I'll see you on the flip side. Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.